This is AutoLine Daily, the show dedicated to enthusiasts of the global automotive industry. Will he or won't he? That is the big question. Big buzz in the U.S. auto industry today about President Trump visiting a Ford factory in Michigan that's making ventilators for COVID-19 patients. Ford originally informed the White House that it's following CDC procedures and will not let anyone into the plant who is not wearing a mask. But Bloomberg reports that yesterday Ford backed off a bit and said it was up to the president to decide. So when asked if he would wear a mask, Trump said, we'll see. Where it's appropriate, I will. And to see whether he does or not, this trip is going to get a lot more media coverage than it otherwise would. As we reported last week, Tesla is expected to announce the development of a million-mile battery later this month. And of course, it developed that battery with Chinese battery maker CATL. But General Motors is hot on its heels. Reuters reports that GM executive VP Doug Parks told investors that GM has multiple teams working on batteries with no cobalt, and it's working on solid-state batteries and ultra-fast charging. And it's working on a next-generation version of the Ultium battery that it unveiled two months ago, and that new version is expected to last one million miles. Does speed kill? Volvo seems to think so. Starting this year, all of its vehicles will have a limited top speed of 180 kilometers an hour. That's about 112 miles an hour. It's also making its care key standard, which allows owners to set speed limits before handing the car over to someone else. Volvo understands that some might think that this is controversial, but it says it has an obligation to do what it can to save lives, and it's willing to lose customers over this decision. Hyundai says its electric vehicles are actually becoming quite popular with police departments in Europe. The Kona EV is being used by law enforcement in Switzerland, the Netherlands, Spain, and the UK. And the fuel cell Nexo is being used in England and Germany. One city in Italy already has a fleet of I-35 fuel cell vehicles, which was the predecessor to the Nexo. General Motors has an updated version of Super Cruise that's going on Cadillac and other models this year, but it's also working on further development. CNBC reports that GM is working on Super Cruise technology so that it can work not just on the highway, but in neighborhoods and subdivisions and on city streets. It's referring to the new system internally as Ultra Cruise. It's hands-free but not fully autonomous, and it would still require driver intervention. A quick new product update here. Auto Forecast Solutions reports that the next generation Toyota Tacoma will go into production in August of 2023. It's built at two assembly plants in Mexico, in Guanajuato and Tijuana. The Tacoma absolutely dominates the midsize pickup segment in North America. Last year, it outsold the Chevrolet Colorado, the GMC Canyon, and the Ford Ranger combined. And as we reported earlier this week, the next generation Nissan Frontier is not going to come out for a couple of years. But it is getting some updates this year, 
including an all-new 3.8-liter V6 engine and a 9-speed automatic transmission. Those changes boost the fuel economy for the V6 models by one mile per gallon. The new engine generates 310 horsepower. That's up by 49 horses over the previous V6. But Nissan is also dropping the base version that had a four-cylinder engine with a manual transmission. Nissan also announced pricing for the 2020 Frontier, which ranges from about $28,000 on up to almost forty dollars And if you'd like the complete pricing breakdown, check out the link in today's show notes. Speaking of new models, Acura is going to unveil the new TLX online on the 28th of this month. It only has a teaser of the rear end for right now, but it shows the Type S will make a return to that model lineup. With a new 3-liter turbo V6 under the hood, the Type S is said to be the quickest, best handling, and best appointed Acura sedan yet. Stay tuned for more information. Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Bridgestone Tires. Your journey, our passion. We know how many of our viewers are interested in anything to do with electric vehicles, so we're ramping up our coverage. Chase Drum is the new West Coast correspondent for AutoLine, working out of Oregon. He has a lifelong passion for electric vehicles, and here's a clip from an interview he did with Wade Higgins from Freewire Technologies, which is developing fast chargers for gas stations to go right in place of gas pumps. Take a look. The boost charger that we have coming out is really designed to go at gas stations. And while I mentioned I think level twos are really the principal way that most people will actually refuel their EV most of the time, if you do want to do a road trip, you need to have fast chargers. Right. Level two is kind of what you'd find at home or maybe at someone's uh, place of work where they have some chargers set up in a parking garage. And when you want to look at kind of this larger scale, that's where you get to the Tesla or Electrify America DC fast charging, where it's about 150 kilowatts or more, depending. Yep. When you're seeing the rollout for this technology, I mean, I think that the biggest concern I've always heard about is really the speed versus the cost of installation. And I think that's what's really interesting about FreeWire Technologies product is it really allows to kind of bridge that gap and also put into uh, these charging devices in places that usually would be much more expensive for getting the actual um, concrete and foundation that might need to be torn up or mm -hmm. other kind of wiring uh, challenges. Anything yeah. you can kind of speak to that with what you've been seeing with the implementations? Absolutely. So what you just mentioned, Chase, in our industry is really called soft costs. And soft costs yeah. can typically cost just as much as the hardware, sometimes even more for installing a DC charger. And the hardware is unquestionably expensive as well. If you really think about it, gas station hardware is incredibly expensive too. You know, to build out a gas station, you're typically looking at at least a million dollars. Um, and what the boost charger can do is it can functionally replace an existing level two charger. You can take an existing AC input that is ubiquitous out there and you can functionally plug in a boost charger uh, which has a 160 kilowatt hour battery in it. So it has a very low impact on the grid. It's relatively inexpensive to actually install, um, but it can still pump out 120 kilowatts DC to a vehicle, which is the sort of fast speed that you expect if you're trying to take a road trip. We're specifically targeting gas stations, not only because BP obviously is a gas station owner, but if you think about gas stations, Americans are already very used to going there to refuel their vehicle. 
But to actually install a fast charger at a gas station has some incredible complexities. You're looking at potentially upgrading a transformer, which can easily run fifty dollars to $100,000. You would need to close the gas station for several months in order to do a traditional installation, which is millions of lost revenue. And on top of that, you're just you're trying to dig up a bunch of concrete and put in high voltage electrical conduit wire in an area where you already have tanks of explosible flammable liquid in the ground as well. So installing fast chargers is unquestionably expensive and challenging. And while our hardware is certainly expensive, uh, we do mitigate a lot of costs in, in insulation, in those soft costs that I mentioned. The need for new young talent in the auto industry hasn't gone away just because of this virus crisis. So to comply with social distancing measures, Spanish automaker Seat is holding a virtual Open Doors Day at its apprentice school. The school's head of studies, teachers, and current students will take visitors through the facility and its training areas to give them a better idea of what day-to-day -day activities are like. Participants will also be able to get information on different training programs, the process for registering, and everyone involved will answer any questions at the end of the tour. The training lasts for three years, and apprentices who successfully complete the program can join SEAT with an open-ended contract. The virtual tour of the Automaker's Apprentice School is today at 7 p.m. Tesla was the car company that paved the way for ordering cars online, and now some other major manufacturers are trying to follow it. Volkswagen is going to allow customers in Germany to order vehicles directly online from the automaker, and they can switch between online or offline channels during the buying process if they want. But it only applies to Volkswagen's ID family of electric vehicles. The customer chooses a preferred dealer, and that dealer assumes the role of an agent, and they're going to receive a commission from Volkswagen even if the vehicle is purchased online. Speaking of buying cars online, Ward's Auto has put out a big warning to dealers. Specifically, dealers should not negotiate a price or pitch finance and insurance products or upsell other features at customers' homes, because if they do, they trigger a Federal Trade Commission regulation that was enacted to prevent door-to-door -door selling practices. If a customer did make a purchase this way, they're allowed a three-day cooling-off period where they can cancel the sale if they're not told about this cool-off period. And the dealer could be fined $43,000. Wards recommends that a dealer employee not involved in the transaction deliver the vehicle and that they only validate customer identity and get the necessary paperwork signed. And with that, we wrap up today's show. Thanks for watching. Please join us again tomorrow.